Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Edwin Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to suicide prevention expert Alexandra Wyman about recognizing the warning signs when workers are experiencing suicidal feelings. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Alexandra Wyman, a uh, suicide prevention expert. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, great to have you here. And I was wondering, before we get started, if you could talk a little bit about yourself and sort of how you got into this uh, important line of work. Yeah, it was unintentional, that's for sure. Um, so I, yes, I'm an occupational therapist by trade, so I work in pediatrics. And I met my late husband, Sean, in 2017 and hit it off. We kind of started checking those life boxes, got our house, got married, had our child. And then a few days before our second wedding anniversary, Sean ended up taking his own life. And my trajectory kind of shifted after that, where I realized that there, there's so much support out there. Um, however, I think sometimes we're missing the goal, not the goal, but we're missing the point in it. So there's a lot of amazing things around prevention. And I tend to think that prevention comes a little later because we're usually addressing it when someone is very close to wanting to die versus being able to intervene earlier. So I just started writing down, jotting some notes about what I was finding and the support that I needed, and then just found that this ended up being kind of my new trajectory and purpose and wrote a book. And now I'm getting to spend some time with you, Jay, and talk about how how can we help in the workforce to make it more, um, make resources more accessible so that people feel more comfortable and empowered to, to talk and speak out about what's going on for them. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know certainly from um, OSHA's, you know, standpoint, like they, you know, I was at a conference and they mentioned, you know, work, workplace suicide prevention is a huge focus for them. Uh, I think it's one of the leading causes of death in the construction industry. Um, it's sort of, I guess, an obvious question, but why is it so important to promote mental health in the workplace? Well, we spend so much of our time there. I think that when you're, you know, that's so much of what in our lives we're inundated with. What are you going to do after college? When you're in school, what are you thinking about doing with your life? And we don't think about, well, what kind of environment? I, I will say I wasn't into my late 30s until I started saying, no, I'm going to be pretty intentional about the people I'm working with, right? It was more about what was my paycheck going to look like? Where was I working? You know, the benefits and that sort, sort of thing. And then as I got older, I thought, no, it's, it's actually more important for me to feel connected. Where's my sense of belonging? What, how can I be more intentional about where I'm spending such a large part of my life? And I think in being able to encourage people and, and kind of come together, I think so often, and I've been that person where I will put my head down and say, I'm just going to work. I'm doing my job. I'm going home. And I think that's where the mental health piece can come in a little bit stronger is to really support people in who they are, help them be seen in the workplace and to really value people for who they are, not just their performance at work. Do you think it's a, a almost a generational shift where, you know, I think our parents and, and their parents were kind of all about, you know, work, getting ahead, you know, really driven and not, not so much concerned about, you know, sort of how you're feeling uh, you know, about it all uh, and, you know, kind of pushing those feelings down. And it feels like um, people are, are, are more eager to talk about, you know, 
things like depression and and you know anxiety and things like that uh, when it comes to their jobs as well as their lives. Absolutely. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. And I'm on that cusp right where they say that with the rising of the millennials, which I know there's another term now for millennials, um, you know, with that shift came and I'm kind of one who's in between the two. So part of me <laughs> that get a job, stay with it for so long. And then the other part of me is like, but there's so much to experience. But I, I think you're right in that there is a big shift in the workforce of people really looking for something bigger than just that paycheck and looking more for that experience and that connection. Because again, if we're going to spend that much time around people, let's see, you can't you can't always have the best work environment, right? You're, yeah. It's going to be up and down. You can't be perfect, but at least to have, to feel, again, to feel that you're being appreciated and valued for being a participant in whatever it is you're doing, no matter the industry. What kind of uh, impact did the pandemic have on, I think, people wanting to work for the right reasons and you know wanting to kind of stick up for themselves a little more in the workplace than maybe they had you know pre-pandemic i i think it's been a huge shift i mean i think even the unemployment numbers show that where people were deciding to leave their jobs in order to find something that would fit better and i think also having something as um, severe as a pandemic come through i know for for my late husband he was still considered an essential worker he was a mechanic and still had to, you know, still had to go into the city, still had to go to work. And I think then feeling that threat and seeing how many people were impacted, how many people are dying really changes the priorities and yeah. woke up a lot of people to really trying to be more intentional about how we're all spending our time. Um, so what are some warning signs that safety managers can look, should look for in their workforce to sort of see if somebody is, you know, maybe not even suicidal, but having issues with, you know, uh, depressive, depressive thoughts or, you know, other kinds of anxiety. That's such a good question. Um, and even in preparing for chatting with you today, I was like, what are those signs? Because I think some people can still be, Sean was one of those, he's still very boisterous, very, um, you know, very social and still was dealing with some of those depressive thoughts. Um, I think withdrawal, you can look at, you know, if someone is is usually really engaged and you're starting to see that someone's more a little withdrawn, I mean, ask the question, I'm a big fan, ask the question, are you considering harming yourself? Are you considering suicide? Or just ask, how are you? And mean it, right? So often we say, how are you? Just as a um, kind of a nicety, but being able right. to actually ask how people are doing. Um, and I think also, uh, in, in looking at, I think, sorry, in looking at how okay. people are interacting is, um, just, I think when you're checking in with people regularly, you can kind of tell if someone's energy or the perspective kind of shifts. And so, you know, if someone is seeming like they're getting angrier quicker, or they're having a harder time with work, or, you know, usually they're really good at what they're doing. And then all of a sudden you're noticing that their work is starting to drop off. Like those would be any indications that something might be going on. Not necessarily that someone is contemplating suicide, but definitely that something's going on that's impacting that person's ability to do their job. And I think that offers a really good opportunity to actually start asking those questions of, 
you know, how are you? Is something going on or am I, you know, being available? And I guess sort of maintaining that kind of a relationship where you're checking in regularly, um, you know, it kind of, you'll notice those warning signs a lot sooner than you would if you just sort of, you know, see something, you know, months after maybe it began. I'm a big proponent of how can you cultivate culture and that camaraderie for that particular reason. And it doesn't have to be something, I, it doesn't have to be something that's so large or such a huge undertaking. Something as simple as, you know, maybe doing some league with your company, doing a monthly get together. I know I've known companies that will do birthday lunches or something that just shows, even if it's not the individual, but shows the group that they're appreciated for their work and for showing up, which I know sometimes can be frustrating as a manager. Like, of course, you're going to show up. It's your job. <laughs> but if you can take that little step to say, I appreciate you and you being here, I think it goes a long way. And then it, again, it opens up the door for there to be more of that conversation or dialogue if someone really is hurting, because it's true. And especially if we're looking um, at certain workforces that are male dominated, it's not an area that where it's promoted to talk about your feelings. You're not, it's not advisable to talk about your personal mm -hmm. things. You come in and you do your work, pick yourself up by the bootstraps kind of feeling. And so even if you're not, you know, directly coming at someone and saying, share your feelings with me, but providing opportunities that camaraderie can happen and it can happen naturally to me that's going to be a little bit better to notice those signs yeah and that's not something that happens overnight you got to kind of build that right exactly and i think it starts with management you know again not management necessarily coming out and saying this is what's going on in my life and i'm having these struggles mm -hmm. but offering those opportunities for people to come together and start sharing or even just get to know each other so and especially you know we um talking about you know in construction where you've got deadlines you have timelines you have a high work pro productivity that you have to maintain you don't always have the time to get to know someone you just got to do your job but and sometimes you're like i don't want to hang with the guys i've been working all day i want to go home and see my family right. um, but still maintaining some of those opportunities i think for people to come together even grab a beverage or have a dinner or something i think is is valuable um, how much of an added challenge is uh, sort of the advent of remote work? Uh, obviously, you know, since the pandemic, a lot of folks, you know, who don't work in so-called essential jobs are working from home, um, like me right now. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously it's, it's a little harder, you know, if you're a supervisor or a safety officer, you know, it's a little harder to kind of get sort of all the nuances over a video call. Like how, you know, what are some some ways to kind of, you know, for those folks dealing with remote workers to kind of, you know, stay on top of things? That's such a good question. And that is a hard one. Um, I actually was just having a conversation with someone who moved to a new location and works remotely and was saying, how do I meet people? How do I get out there and, and be able to have that connection? And, um, you know, I think trying to maintain even just seeing faces, which I know is hard when you're virtual and remote, but being able to at least still see people and have even virtual for a while. We did virtual trivia like when this was during the pandemic, but coming up with still some of those ways that you can have like team meetings or do things where people are actually seeing each other's faces is helpful. Um, and then again, it, 
you know, kind of bridges that gap of being able to start having conversations. And then I think if you're doing that and you're noticing that there are certain people who aren't showing up, people who turn their screens off or, and aren't really communicating why, you know, it just gives an opportunity to say, Hey, I noticed this. Are you okay? You know, I don't want to assume anything, but I just want to check in. I think even just checking in with each other doesn't have to be overwhelming or any just quick check-ins also lets people know, Hey, when, you know, I may have an opportunity to go in and talk to someone if need be. Yeah. Cause I mean, remote work is great and it's convenient and, you know, there are a ton of advantages, but it's also very isolating. I mean, you know, you, you, you can sit, you know, you can basically have no human contact for an entire week if you want. So, um, you know, Obviously, like some people don't have a choice to go into an office, you know, if they're like you said, if they live, they move, they're, you know, really remote and they're far away. Um, so, yeah, just those check ins really can uh, kind of at least give you sort of an idea of give them an idea that, you know, you, you recognize them and uh, and obviously, you know, give you an idea of their state of mind. Yes, and I think also if there's a way for remote employees to encourage taking frequent breaks, getting outside, because it is so isolating. And so encouraging, you know, even if it's like, go do 10 minutes of yoga, go, you know, go do something and it's okay for you to be away from your desk. Because I think sometimes, and this happened to me in the pandemic when I switched to remote work, there was, it was almost like, because I was working from home, I I had horrible boundaries at first. Cause I was like, well, my work's always available. So if, you know, I didn't necessarily, and I know companies are much better now about sign off at this time, but because it's available and you're right there, it's like, oh, I can just do a little bit more work. I can just do, you know, finish this project. And now it's Mm -hmm. 7 p.m., 8 p.m. going, oh, wait, I didn't take breaks or do anything for myself. So I think it's good to encourage employees when they are working at home to take those breaks, to get up and walk around, get outside, get some fresh air, you know, go, go do something to kind of break up that day. Um, so now if you're a, a, a safety manager and, and you, you know, you do have, you know that a worker is experiencing feelings of suicidal ideation, you know, what do you do? What are your sort of first steps to help them with that? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So 988 is awesome now that that's been launched. So that gives an opportunity. That's the hotline that you can go directly if you are um, feeling that you're having suicidal thoughts or ideation. Um, I think asking someone, you know, especially, um, asking them, you know, are they thinking of harming themselves and then also potentially trying, you know, get in touch with family members, see who their support system is. Um, and, and if possible, I think what ends up happening sometimes is when you have something like a mental health crisis or something is happening, there's a fear around losing your job. There's a fear around losing that support for family. And so I think even prior to be able to intervene for individuals when they're like that is to ensure that there are policies set up so that if something like this happens, that somehow there's either job security or help in that so that they can help get the help that they need and know that they're not gonna lose their job around it. Um, But definitely 988, there's lots of opportunities for um, therapy. If someone needs hospitalization, then go that route in the interim in order to, right? It's almost that immediacy of what care can we get you right in the moment. And then what ends up happening though is that there's work that has to be done after that immediacy. So if someone is suicidal and then we get them the help that they need in the immediacy, they haven't ended their life, 
there's still work that needs to be done and knowing that your workplace is supporting you to take care of what you need to is going to be the big crux. So that's where I think a lot more of the um, assistance can come is setting up a way to support families in almost like the aftermath of, of that initial crisis. Um, and I imagine that like, you know, that initial conversation about that is pretty difficult to broach, um, which I guess, you know, justifies really being in touch constantly. So you're not just sort of walking up and say, hey, you know, um, you know, but what, you know, what do you do if the person doesn't want to talk about it or is, you know, denies that there's any problems? I think at that point, there are two things I've heard um, people say before, and I think that they can be really powerful. One is I see you. I see you and I see your pain. And also I'm here. I'm here for you. And I think, unfortunately, at that point in time, there are certain things you can have in place. Again, you can notify family that you have concerns. You've let the individual know that you have concerns. They may still rebuff you. And then you have to surrender the outcome, which for society, for any person is extremely hard to do because you obviously don't want anything to happen to that individual. Yeah. Um, but I think telling the person, I see you and I'm here for you are two very, they're very short sentences, but can be very powerful to let someone know I'm a safe person that you can come talk to. Um, and I guess, you know, in terms of company policies about, you know, suicide and, and sort of providing, uh, you know, that kind of help. Uh, do you see in, in general that things are getting better, you know, in terms of from like a corporate standpoint or a company's a little more understanding about, you know, these issues or is there still a long way to go? I think it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so I think policy wise, because there is um, people are talking more about it. We're feeling more empowered to have conversations. There's more awareness around it. Um, a lot, even with suicide prevention, suicide awareness prevention month in September, hmm. um, it's all great that we're having this. And I think that the mental health, because there's so many more resources available, it gives an opportunity for corporations to access those resources and include them in their policies. So I think that's where we are right now is having more companies actually start to incorporate more of the mental health support into their policies. Well, we've had a big push to ensure that workforces feel like they can have access to that assistance. And like you, you mentioned earlier, part of the problem may be that the, you know, the person is afraid, you know, if anybody finds out that there's you know, having these issues that they're going to lose their job or, you know, um, you know, it'll have some kind of negative effect on on them professionally, um, which obviously doesn't, you know, makes maybe make things worse. So um, is it is I guess like, you know, like you said, you kind of have to let it, you know, they have to come to you, you know, after you sort of made that initial approach. But uh, is that something too where kind of continuing to check in will still help in terms of, you know, maybe they weren't ready to talk to you at, at first, but, you know, they've thought about it and, you know, maybe the next time you, you talk to them, they, they might be more willing to open up. Yes, I would say this is, it's a continued conversation. It's not just a one-time check-in. And that's why I think it can happen naturally if we can get companies to shift that culture, but absolutely to keep checking in with, you know, on people. And, and I'll be honest, 
I've had people check in on me and I finally had to say, I'm okay. Like I'll come to you if I need help, but I'd rather people take that effort to continually see how someone is doing um, rather than just assume someone else is doing it, you know, rather have five people who are checking in on one person rather than all of those five people saying, Oh, so-and-so is doing it. And then no one right. has, yeah. you know, and that fear of retribution, I think is, is big one, like you said. And so, you know, how, how can we create a culture as well that where people can feel safe and, and feel that they're not going to lose their jobs. And I get it, you know, a safe with jobs that specifically have a lot of safety um, that has to be taken into consideration. That's, that's a big part of it. And I guess from, you know, if you're on the sort of supervisor employer side, um, they must feel pressure too, just in terms of not wanting to say the wrong thing and, or, you know, kind of uh, aggravate the person who might be in a tough spot. I mean, how do you know, obviously there's, you know, what do you tell folks who are, are dealing with, you know, uh, workers that, you know, I guess in terms of treading lightly, uh, you know, because I guess it, it's, you know, there's a happy, happy medium, right? You, you don't want to be too aggressive about it, but you also don't want to be, you know, just ignoring things. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I, I think for an employer or anyone who's in management, I, I think just having, making sure the workforce knows that um, assistance is available and encouraged if needed. So it's almost like you're putting it out there and saying, here's what's available. And then if there are individual cases addressing those, but I think that in just create, you know, part of creating that culture is to say here, we, uh, we recognize that this is an issue. We recognize that we all have life that's happening and we all have events going on that can negatively impact us. And we take it seriously and here's how here are resources if you need them and and just kind of leaving it there and available and then for individual cases being able to go and directly talk to those individuals um and now you mentioned earlier that september is uh suicide prevention awareness month what you know how do uh sort of special months like that help in terms of just obviously raising awareness but like you know what are some of the things that um you know, uh, supervisors and safety officers and folks like that can take away from it that that can obviously help, uh, you know, when dealing in these kinds of situations? Sure, I think it's twofold. So, you know, there, I think one for anyone who's lost an individual by suicide is to recognize it and come together and be able to honor those people in a way rather than sometimes we like to sweep it under the rug or not bring it up because we think we're just going to hurt people or, you know, cause more trauma and whatever excuse that we give for it. So I think on the one hand, you know, doing something in support of individuals who have died that way. And then from that prevention side, I think it's a really good time to start those conversations again and say, here are the resources. If you're feeling this way, please come talk to us. We are available. If you don't feel like we're comfortable to talk to, here's where you can go. This is what you can do. Almost giving like a flow chart because let's be honest, not all of us have had managers that we feel like we can go to and talk to. Right. Um, but kind of having that flow chart of it. And I think just being aware, you know, the, the thing about suicide is more people are impacted by it than actually talk about it. And so the likelihood is that during that month, there are a lot of people who have been impacted by suicide or that type of loss. And I think just taking a moment to honor that and, and to be available 
two people is, is important. And like you said, you don't have to be over aggressive about it. You can, you know, just make a note of it. And, and especially um, on individual bases, if, if someone needs additional support, then, then offer that. Well, great advice. Alexander, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you so much. That wraps up episode 172 of EHS on tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you.